Welcome to WEHC 90.7, and you just tuned in to She Walks with Sharon Bowers and Carly Blaylock, and what a glorious day for you to be with us. It is absolutely beautiful outside, and spring is coming. It's closer than when we first believed, and and, uh, we're about to to see time change and just all kinds of things are happening, and so we are excited. We're in the month of March, and we're still talking about women's history and uh, and just how important it is. And, and, and I don't know if we really get it. So we wanted to spend a little bit more time talking about women's history from an international perspective, Women's Women's History Month from an international perspective, and then maybe even go a little later, if not this show, another show to talk about April, which is going to be Black Women's Month. So yeah, Carly, so how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good, good, good. It's uh, good. It's kind of like when we start seeing um, these various months, like we just came off of Black History Month, and now we're into Women's History Month, and then there's International Black History Women's Month. And and, and I guess I, I, I feel, I don't know what the word is to describe it, but in one way, I'm glad that we're taking the time to do it. And another way, I'm sad that we even have to do that because we live in such a world where everything is not equal. We um we've had this conversation as we come up on these, you know, celebratory months or days or weeks throughout the year, and it is definitely a double-edged sword. On the one hand, it is so important to raise awareness, to lift up black voices, female voices, black female voices. <laughs> so important that we do that and that we take the time to talk about how they're, you know, we're still fighting for equality. But the fact that we still have to talk about that and raise awareness is frustrating. I mean, how much longer are we going to have to do this? (laughs) Yeah. And I I think, you know, one of the things that uh, International Women's Day, which was March the 8th, said and was talking about, it said something about just imagine a world where gender, where it's equal. And I thought, I I just don't know. I want to be optimistic, but I don't know if I could really imagine a world because, I mean, even our language is oppressive. So I started thinking about how would I go about even starting to imagine a world where gender was equal? I know. And I think there are so many layers to equality. There's so many ways in which oppression occurs and um, and privilege occurs that untangling that and really getting us to be truly equal is very, very difficult. And it's difficult to even know where to start you know, are we talking about economic equality? Are we talking, Mm -hmm. you know, equality in the workplace? Are we talking about equality when we talk about gender roles, right? And like, there's just so much that has to be looked at and torn apart. And it is a big undertaking. It is. And like you said, the systems, uh, I read one article that said that, uh, I think it was about 37% of women do not use the internet. And I thought, well, they said about 259 million fewer women have access to the internet than men. And even though they account for nearly half of the world's population. So I thought even, you know, the means that most of us use every day is not accessible to all people and specifically all women, because, you know, so much of what's considered women's work, and we've talked about that too, but so much of what we, what's considered women's work around the world does not involve the use of technology. You're exactly right when we think internationally, for sure. And, you know, the reason that 
it seems that more men have access to that technology as they're accessing it in their offices, right? And that is extremely limiting for women. It, you know, keeps women stuck in situations that they don't want to be in. It keeps them ignorant of things. And that is, that is horrible. Yeah. And, and not even to, to have the need for it. And, and even if they did, some of the things that happen to women, and we won't go down this, this rabbit hole, but some of the things that happen to women online are not the same things that happen to men online. So yeah. women don't necessarily even feel safe online or, you know, what is it? The fish, catfish, or, I mean, you know, there's just all these things that happen when you actually get on there. It's so predatory that you, you know, you kind of have to say, wait a minute, is this worth it? Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, I know, especially in the world of online dating, um, every woman knows, like, you tell your friend where you're going to meet this person. You always meet them somewhere public first. You know, you have a friend text you or call you to check in. And like, those are things that you have to do as a woman, because you're meeting someone that you don't know that you've just talked to online, and you've got to keep yourself protected. I mean, think about all those steps you have to go through just to make sure that you're safe doing an activity that should be normalized. It should be fun. And and I think you know when we start start looking at it from an international perspective, it brings a, a whole set of dynamics. Mm -hmm. uh, it brings from an intersectional perspective, it brings class really large into the room. Because internationally, you know, when we start talking about feminist and black feminist and all of this kind of Western uh, way of looking, so much of that doesn't really affect international women, you know, the same way. So when we're saying we're going to do International Women's Day and and I would imagine that many countries do celebrate it because they're looking at their achievements, but achievement would be relevant. What we would be celebrating, I mean, we have a vice president that, that is a person of color and female. That may not be true other places. Now, we're not the first one because we haven't we haven't achieved what some other countries have, having a woman as a president. Mm -hmm. But I'm just talking about in a more global sense. I mean, that's something to celebrate. And maybe at the same time, something that we would take for granted where in other countries, that's not not the same. I mean, even getting the right to vote or or being able to cast a vote may not be accessible to some women. And I know that when we talk about, you know, women's equality, a lot of people look at the um, economic inequality, which is definitely important and something we should absolutely talk about. We've talked about it previously on this show, but there's so much tied up with that. And I feel like it's one of the things that we talk about the most during Women's History Month and Women uh, International Women's Day. But the reason that we talk about it so much is because so much of women's freedom and their ability to do the things that they want to do and the things that they need to do is tied up in that economic freedom. And one of the things um, that was brought to the forefront by the actual International Women's Day group um, was the pension gap. So not just the pay gap, but the pension gap. Oh, yeah. Um, women retire with roughly $123,000 less in their pensions than men do. And that's a huge deal. Yeah. And that that's that would be structural and systemic because it would start with what kind of jobs they're being paid for. Mm -hmm. They're not being paid at the same rate. And mm -hmm. then their ability to stay on that job without having to take off for childcare. I mean, there would just be a, a preponderance of kinds of things that would end up there. And then even staying on the same job 
long enough because they move with their spouses to those other kind of jobs rather than than they be the kind of job that that stays there. So yeah, there would be a lot of things that would be in involved in that. And I yeah, this is big, Carly, because you know, we're looking at, like you said, the, the pension equality. So you're looking at the wage gap, you're looking at all that, you're looking at reproductive rights. I mean, you know, these are these are things that are very different from a Western feminist or a black feminist perspective. I mean, we even see the disparities in the reproductive rights when we're talking about white feminists versus mm-hmm. black feminists and who who's this about anyway. And then all of the issues of violence and abuse and all of those other kinds of things that, so when you talk about International Women's Day, you can't just say, you know, burn your bra and everybody say great, because there are so many built in milestones that some people have already achieved that other people are looking at and just kind of wondering how will they ever get through that, that Millie's or that maze, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, looking at feminine care, feminine health care, reproductive rights, all of that stuff is so tied in with that economic piece, too. Mm-hmm. If, if you, you know, the the talking point now is, you know, well, if your state doesn't allow abortion, you just go where they allow it, right? It's states' rights. And it's like, well, who has the ability to take off work, to pay, to travel, to, you know, pay for the procedure, right? So like, you know, there's all of that, you know, it's all tied back <laughs> to that economic piece too. I mean, I think it's great that, you know, we had an International Women's Day, the UN got together and, you know, talked about that and how good it was. And then we have Women's History Month that's tied to that and all that. But I can tell you, this was a, I was working with a community college, a small community college, and they wanted to have like a variety show with just women. And boy, that was hard to try to find local women to participate in the variety show. Because when people started calling out names of groups, those names were invariably men groups. Mm. You know, they were rappers, but not women rappers. They they were doctors, but not women doctors. I mean, you know, we had to really search to go to try to find, and that was the career day part. We had to search to try to find women in those respective fields. And yeah. and we're in the United States, you know, where things are supposed to be bigger, better, best. But I mean, when you think about it, if you wanted to have a, a woman artist come and perform locally. You know, we know some women artists nationally, but we don't have access to them. But locally, where are you going to find them? Maybe in a faith community, maybe. But yeah. then you wouldn't want the whole variety show to be all. I know I'm going off on this tangent, but I'm just talking about how we take so many things for granted. And yet so many things that should be easy are still difficult because we could not come up with. We could find a nurse. We could find a teacher in the career part. But, you know when you started going out at trying to find a woman engineer, you know, those are challenging. And we're in the United States where things are supposed to be great. Yeah. And we've talked about women leaders, right. And how many, what percentage of CEOs were women leaders and what percentage were black women, Mm -hmm. women of color. Um, And I don't have those statistics at the top of my head, but there, I mean, we're still seeing a severe inequality there for sure. You know, like you were saying, as far as finding women in specific fields, there's also been this huge push um, post-COVID, post-lockdown, I'll say, we're not post-COVID, but post-lockdown, where, you know, women are switching jobs for a lot of reasons. And kind of Mm -hmm. to your point earlier, that's part of the reason that it's so hard for women to 
build that kind of long-term wealth as well, because women are leaving work because they want to find flexible work schedules that work with them with their outside of work commitments. They're not uh, happy with workplaces that don't prioritize DEIB, um, which is diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. They're tired of working, you know, their work being overworked and underrecognized. They want to feel celebrated. And the biggest one is that women continue to this day to be passed over for promotions and uh, leadership opportunities. And if you're a woman of color, it is 10 times worse. So, you know, at this point, like women are just sick and tired of it. When we talk about it from a feminist perspective, white feminist, black feminist, you know, intersectional feminist, when we talk about it, that really is a place of privilege you know, to even to be able to, for you and I to have this kind of conversation about, you know, International Women's Day or Women's History Month that we we have here that's built off of that. I mean, when we do that, we're looking at the various places and spaces that women occupy, Mm -hmm. but those places and spaces are so different in the Western world than they are in some other places. We've had all the things, even the things about dress, Mm-hmm. about covering your head all the all those things are still i mean we we in in the western world in america in particular we're talking about black people's hair and black women's hair and do they have the right to wear it the way that they want to wear it and not be told how to wear it but we are not talking about covering up you know we're talking about how you wear your hair but not that you need to cover up your head in order to wear it so it's all relative you know to speak this whole who has access to what and when and you know when we think of internationally every place is dealing with their own level of inequality but inequality is present everywhere and yes. i think that really shows too that we have so much work to do i think that what it does is it gives us an opportunity to collectively see the gaps that we're talking about here today but also to figure out how to work together to change some of those you know to use our own power and our own privilege to share so that it becomes shared power and shared privilege. And so that we can help in places and spaces that are, you know, more oppressed than we are. And that's not about the oppression Olympics. I'm not trying to say that at all, but I'm just saying that throughout the globe, women from different backgrounds experience different access to resources. You know, there are places with better access to resources than we have. So absolutely. Oh yeah. You know, Definitely not wanting to get in into that, you know, comparing and contrasting, but what can we do, right? What can we do to support our sisters across the globe? And in a way that actually helps them, that doesn't, that's not, you know, I, I am a white person. So obviously we do not want to slip into any sort of white savior complex. We don't want to slip into like, I know what's best for you, you know, listening to the people who live in these areas. What, what do they need, right? What is it that they need? Like you mentioned access to internet, you know, mm-hmm. that is something that can benefit everyone in a community. How do we get these women to have the resources to access the internet, right? To be able to access the information that they need to access. So it's multi-layered and it's also very um, nuanced because every community and every culture is going to need something different. And so how do we do that in a way that's honoring that culture, honoring the women within that world? Yeah. And not try to to put our stuff on somebody else, which happens with, you Mm -hmm. know, privilege and oppressive people. We have a a tendency. I think they said that this year's theme, Carly, I read somewhere was called embrace equity. And they said it was part of an ongoing uh, awareness raising about why equal opportunities are no longer enough. Why do we need to do more? And so I thought, wow, 
how how would we go about embracing equity? I mean, how how would we we get these things? But how would we go about doing if this is an ongoing effort and if this is why we need to do this? How do we start, or or where would we start here on She Walks? How would we start the process of embracing equity? Again, it's very multi layered, um, and I think we've we've obviously started with the awareness piece, right? We we come on and we talk about the things that you know, women in our lives have faced, we've faced um, things that we run up against in our in our worlds. And I think talking about it and providing a space to talk about it and raising awareness is definitely important. But then it goes back to that whole systemic and structural piece. So that would be like building alliances with people who has the power to affect change in these areas. Mm-hmm. And that is a much needed conversation and something that people who are in activist work talk about a lot is that building of alliances, right? And I think thinking intersectionally as we do on the show helps us to do that because we realize that we're all, you know, oppression, you know, one place is oppression everywhere. And so we're able to build alliances with people to be able to affect that change. And I think it's really important for us to to take stock of our resources, our alliances, and how can we put that into motion, into practice? Um, how can we use that to affect change? I read one one piece on this when I was looking at uh, International Women. I don't know where it was, but it's obviously not mine is what I'm trying to say. But uh, they were saying that unconscious bias is a major driver of hurdles that hold women back. You know, it's the subtle things, the nuanced things that we have to concern ourselves with when we're trying to get to, when we're trying to embrace equity. I mean, how do we start by dealing with unconscious bias? Because a lot of people will fight you to say that it's not there. I know that's the hardest thing, I think. Um, And actually one of the things that is um, listed on the International Women's Day website talks about some unconscious bias, framing it through double standards, right? Mm. So they had people describe qualities they associate with men and then qualities they associate with women. And the qualities they associate with men, more more of those qualities were considered positive, whereas the qualities associated with women were considered negative. So for example, when they were describing men, they would say like, oh, they're analytical, competent, athletic, dependable, articulate, level-headed, logical. They would also say that they were arrogant or irresponsible, but only a couple people said that. For women, they said they're compassionate, enthusiastic, energetic, and organized. But then the rest of them were like, oh, they like to gossip. They're vain. They're panicky in situations where they need to be level-headed. You know, they're scattered or passive. You know, again, it goes back to that piece you were talking about with unconscious bias, right? Like, how do you fight that? Because if people are always going to associate women with those qualities, then how do you overcome that? Um, Are you going to want to trust a woman in a situation where you think you need someone level-headed, quote unquote, if you think that that woman is panicky because she's a woman, right? Right. Are you going to, are you going to hire her? And, and I think with all of those preconceived notions and ideas and in internal biases, both implicit and explicit, and all of those things that lead up to that would be the very thing that would the system that would keep her from being oppressed. Hence, we need to start to showcase International Women's Day. But, you know, there will be many people, Carly, who would say, well, you've got the right to vote. You've got your own checking account now. You, Some of you all are CEOs. I mean, they would say these things, not looking at the, the vastness of the number of women internationally, as well as, you know, nationally, who are still 
deeply involved in systems of oppression. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think it also goes back to we've talked about before, um, particularly looking at, you know, the experiences of Black Americans. Um, But, you know, just because you technically, quote unquote, have the right to do something doesn't necessarily mean that that is an accessible thing or that it's, you know, that there aren't still barriers, right? So, yes, a woman can be a CEO, but look at what it takes to get there and the level of education and privilege that is required, right? Or, yes, we have the right to vote. But, you know, depending on the color of your skin or where you live or, you know, a variety of other factors, it could be difficult to go vote. Um, And so, again, it kind of goes back to like. You're kind of checking a box, but you're not looking at what that actually in lived experience is actually like for someone. Yeah. And and so I guess, you know, if they're going to the thing this year was the. embrace equity. And one of the questions that they said that is important for why they did that theme and why they said it was important, I think this was on the International Women's Day website, but they said, ask the question, why equal opportunities aren't enough? Mm-hmm. Why do we have to look at equity instead of equality? Mm-hmm. And and I think you just got through mentioning the lived experience and 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 to say that in reality we all start from different places. And we were talking about that earlier, you know, this whole Western white feminist, black feminist perspective lens is so different than the person sitting in country X who's just trying to figure out how to not be abused today, or is just trying to figure out how, and this happens in the Western world too. I'm not, I'm not saying that it only happens there, but try to figure out how to feed their family for that day or, you know, how to, to dodge whatever, or how to not to be seen, see me, you know, so everybody's starting at different places. And so um, if we're going to really talk about inclusion, then we're going to have to talk about it from a perspective of, what is the equitable action that people are willing to take to foster and to create that way of embracing equity? Because people aren't really ready for that. People like a system where there are some haves and some have nots. Well, that, and I think people can get behind the idea of equality to a certain extent that are Mm -hmm. not ready to embrace the equity piece. Because equality is like, okay, we're all starting from the same place. So, you know, this is fair. But they don't see that we're not all starting from the same place. Just because we have the ability to do something um, doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't barriers for certain people to do that thing. Equity is about removing those barriers and taking a look at those barriers. Um, And there was a cartoon that's gone around, usually goes around um, during... Women's History Month, and it's a man, a man and a woman, and they're at the start of this race, and his path is perfectly clear, and you can see the finish line up ahead. And for her, you can see the finish line, but she's got like a ball attached to her ankle, and she's got to like her army <laughs> crawl through a bunch of stuff. And he's like, "Well, why are you upset? Like you're in the race." And it's like, "Sure, she's in the race, but look at what she has to do, right?" And again, that could apply for. A million different things. Oh yeah, um, yeah. you know uh, we we talk about it all the time from the perspective of race. Yeah, I mean we have that conversation all the time about you people, why you people can't pull yourself up from your own bootstraps, and mm-hmm. you know we've been this has been going on for generations when you people haven't even had boots. 
to strap up for a very long time. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, and that's the thing is, you know, people, you know, we don't look often enough at the way that generational wealth plays such a huge part in who gets to be those CEOs, man or woman. And we don't look at the people who have had an opportunity to build that generational wealth versus the people who haven't. And again, it's like, there are so many factors here that people just, you know, when we have this whole talk about equality versus equity, you know, it's one thing to say, sure, uh, a person of color or a woman could be a CEO. It's a whole other thing to look at what that actually looks like in practice and what barriers are there. And even as you said earlier, you can get to be it and all of those biases can come in and the way you lead could cause you not to be. I just recently, uh, it was a, a person of color who was leading in a certain way and they were coming behind somebody who had been a person of color who was leading in a certain way that didn't last at all. Mm -hmm. This next person was lasting. They're about to come up on their year anniversary, but now you see the deconstructing of their knowledge, skill, and ability. Mm -hmm. And, and it's been less than a year. And so now everyone, this person is black. Now everyone white is weighing in on what that person should do. So now they're, 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 they're hamstrung to try to flesh flex their wings and to do anything. And, and I I just think that that's, that's, that's kind of what happens for women. Carly, one thing I know we're about to run out of time, but I read this thing and I want you to maybe touch to each one of them really quickly. If you can, it says that we can all challenge gender stereotypes by, there were these things that said one to call out discrimination two to draw attention to biases and to seek out inclusion. So what are some strategies that you think if we were trying to challenge uh, gender stereotypes, how could we call out discrimination? I'm gonna put you on the line real quick, fast, quick, quick area. How could we start to call out discrimination? Just real quick. Well, I think we need to build solidarity with um, allies wherever we are, whether it's in the workplace or in our everyday lives um, or online or wherever we are, right? I think we need to raise our voices and call out when we see it, right? Um, Some people are more open to being called out or called in than others. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But raising your voice and making sure that you're speaking out on your own behalf, but also on the behalf of the other women that are around you, Um, particularly if you are a white person and those people are women of color or transgender women or whoever, making sure that you're using your voice to speak, you know, to make sure that you are advocating for that. Um, You know, and again, that goes back to what we've talked about previously, using your privilege um, for good. Um, And I think those are great places to start um, to make sure that we're not just letting the stuff slide anymore. Okay. And then they said, how can we draw attention to biases? Mm-hmm. And that's always tricky. So if, you know, just give me something quick and fast, give the give the listening audience something quick and fast, because we know that is really a deep well. But how can you draw attention to biases? I think the two ways that come to mind for me, one is, again, using your voice, calling it out when you see it, right? Because, again, some people don't know, especially if we're talking about unconscious biases. Sometimes people don't know they have them. But the other thing is you need to invest in really, really good DEIB training. Like you need to get DEIB professionals and trainers into your space to talk with your people about this because it is so hard to deconstruct a bias that you are not aware of or to even understand where these biases are coming from. So that is vital that, you know, workplaces or organizations, you know, work with your friends or your family or whoever 
to make sure that you are, you know, investing in that. Okay. And then finally, I know we're almost there, but the, the last one was to seek out inclusion. Yeah. Which goes back to creating inclusive workplaces. And maybe that's something we can talk about on our next episode um, or creating, creating inclusive spaces, I should say. Um, maybe we can talk about that a little bit on our next episode, but there are active things that we can do to create inclusive spaces. And if we are in charge of those spaces or members of those spaces, we need to be a voice for inclusion in those spaces. Well, Carly, that sounds great. And I think ultimately, yeah, maybe some of these will carry over because ultimately one of the things that this article was purporting was that said that collective activism is what drives change. Mm, And I thought as women, collective activism, I mean, we really don't have a choice if we're going to shift or move or deconstruct or dismantle or any of those things. It has to be collective. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those things that's challenging for women to do is to work collectively and collaboratively to make and to experience the change we want. I 100% agree. And I think we should definitely explore that in our next episode um, because there's so many great threads there to to explore together. Um, As always, we appreciate you all for being with us today. We hope that you had a fantastic International Women's Day and that you're having a wonderful Women's History Month. Um, We will be back again next week to talk about some more of this stuff in more detail. So thank you all so much. All right. Bye, everybody.